When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. Daniel Coonrod has been in learning and development for nearly a decade. He's worked with some of the biggest names in tech as a corporate trainer, instructional designer and manager. During his career, Daniel has focused on building learner experiences. Daniel is currently a co-host of the fabulous Learning Nerds podcast, a podcast focused on learning and development. Recently, Daniel joined the brains at the Bigger Brains as they help to build amazing learner-focused video content. Daniel, thanks for joining me on the Learning Unlock podcast. How are you? I'm fair to Midland, Brian. Thanks for having me. So why don't you start by telling our audience, I ask this question to kick us off all the time. Uh, how did you get involved with learning and development? I, I fell into it, sort of, kind of. Uh, when I was young, I remember uh, I was in the third grade and I saw the teacher in my class, Miss Potma, who is fantastic. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. And then what happens, I think, to so many other people, uh, life got in the way. And I fell away from that. And it wasn't until I was closing in on my 30s uh, and the career I had picked was falling apart in front of me that I got a job uh, at a call center to do tech support. And uh, I went through their training program. And I was like, oh, man, I remember this. I love this. I told the trainer that day, like, I want your job. Not like I want to take your job, but I want to do what you do. And uh, he says, good, come and get it. And slowly but surely, I got into this profession, which I absolutely love and adore. Now, I know that with like learning and design as well, um, you feel that there's a, it's like a secret profession. A lot of people don't know about it. Explain what that means. Why do you think yeah. people don't know about it and aren't involved with it? No, 100%. I, I would say probably at least every other week, I'll run into somebody who is educated and they're smart and they're kind of in the doldrums, that space between late 20s, early 30s, where they're like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And if I'm doing it, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing. And I'll be like, hey, have you ever thought about you know learning and development, instructional design? And I'd say without fail, they go, what's instructional design? And I have to explain like, well, like all this material, like the training material you went through in college and the training material you went through when you got to your job, somebody had to write that. And that's not just like somebody who's like really good at PowerPoint, hopefully. That's somebody who's like got 
you know, years of experience and knowledge and a background in how you transfer knowledge and hopefully how you build amazing learner experiences. So in your opinion, as someone who does this, what is the recipe for a successful learner experience? And, and, you know, take us into the weeds a little bit. How are you designing these courses so that the learner gets the maximum positive experience out of it? No, 100%. So I know for me, as I'm building a course, as I'm building like a learner experience, I'm focused heavily on what is this experience? Like, I'm thinking about who's my target audience? How are they coming into the, are they coming into a classroom? Are they sitting at a computer? Are, is this going to be like a piece of computer-based training where they're just going to click and engage? Is it going to be a video? Is there going to be an instructor or a facilitator at the head of the classroom? And once I start to like pull those pieces together, I'm like, all right, great. How do I build engagement? And how do I use building a good experience to build that engagement? I think a lot of times uh, the instructional design, the learning and development professions get really, really focused on knowledge transfer. It's a, it's a measurable thing. You know, I can give somebody a test. I can say, look, hey, you did great. You got an 85%. Great. Now that's a number. And somebody can report on that number and they go, great, 85%. That passes. Let's move on. More than that, though, if you're not building good experiences, as soon as they leave, that knowledge is going away too. Like There's no memory for them to hold on to, no experience for them to be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And so as I'm building material, I'm thinking about experiences. If I've got an activity, how is this activity going to connect with my learners on an emotional level? Like, how is this going to make them feel? How am I going to pull feeling and emotion and conversation out of them? And how am I going to help a facilitator, if I'm not the facilitator, if I'm just writing it, to do that? So right now, a lot of training is taking place virtually. Oh, yeah. Give me an example, a tangible example that our audience can dig in on of a virtual training that you've helped design and develop that leaves the audience feeling engaged so that they retain that information. Absolutely. Um, in my previous job, I was helping to guide a team uh, to create sales training. And sales training virtually is um, can be kind of sticky. I was working with one of my designers and I was like, hey, like we, we got to make sure that we're engaging with our learners. And he wanted to make sure we included a what's in it for me statement. Uh, real important just as a way of like building buy-in, like, hey, like this is why you should be paying attention. This is why you should care. It's a traditional like way of engaging with your audience. I'm going to tell you why you should care. And uh, he actually looked at me and he's like, hey, like I don't want to do the, during this course, you're going to learn A, B, and C because that sounds awful. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of does. He's like, I, I want to build an activity where the learners build their own what's in it for me statement. And I was like, okay, that sounds fantastic. Talk me through it. What's it sound like? And he was just like, well, I'm going to open up with a discussion about how we understand that sales can be difficult. And we understand the journey to get here to this kind of like wrap up course has been long. And I want them to share some of their experiences. And then I want them to tell us why they came to this training. And I want them to tell us what they need from this training. And since this is a pretty comprehensive training, I feel pretty confident that nine out of 10 of those things, we're going to be like, that's great. That's here in this training. And if it's not, we've got excellent facilitators. They'll be able to pivot on the important parts and be like, okay, great. We can talk about that as we wrap up. And instead of just doing this traditional 
one, two, three, during this course you will, or hey guys, today we're going to learn about ABC. It was this really great like conversation. Uh, as we went back to our learners and as we did like follow-ups and said like, hey, how'd you like this training? How did it go? Every learner we talked to went back to that like initial setup, that what's in it for me conversation where mm. they built the what's in it for them. And they said that was so important and it helped me really connect and like helped me understand. And I felt like you guys didn't abandon me. Like you guys didn't just throw a training and went, all right, great. Good luck. Figure it out. Like you guys circled back. You guys did this conversation and I loved it. No, that's a really good case study. And I like the what's in it for me question that you should ask when you're developing these courses. Oh, yeah. Is there a sweet spot with length of course? I know it seems like everyone's busy. More and more people have, you know, ADHD. They're paying attention to 15 different things at one time. You've done this for a long time. Have you found a sweet spot with length of course? I, I think so. Um, so it really depends, of course, on the medium you're using. If you're going to do a traditional computer-based training and you've got like a whole bunch of things you want to cover, my advice to you is to keep that computer-based training, that kind of like click and done training, uh, probably underneath 10 minutes. Hmm. In a perfect world, I'd say like five to seven. Like that's about as much time as you're going to have a learner to actually engage with a piece of content where somebody isn't engaging back, where there's a computer screen. So emotional attachment might be difficult. Um, if you're going to do like a video kind of in that same range, that five to 10 minute zone, um, we all love videos. Video content is, is king now. Everybody loves it, especially with just as we move to virtual, you can get more information in a shorter time block with better engagement. But even after like five to 10 minutes, engagement's going to start dropping off. With facilitator-led, uh, I'm guilty of producing really long facilitator-led training, uh, especially early in my career, where I believed in my heart that like everything in the kitchen sink should be in the training. And, um, you know, uh, God bless everybody who went through the like 400 slide printer deck I built when I first got started. I'm so sorry if any of you are listening. <laughs> I apologize. Um, but I think really like facilitator training, like you're going to get into like that hour, 90 minute zone and everybody's going to start looking for their watch. Now that doesn't leave a lot of time for training. And so I think if you need more than that and everybody's going to, you want to look about, look more at a training schedule. How do I get people engaged on the material and following and doing things? And how do I train them how to do a job? How do I train them on doing complex things? in like only like these small blocks. And I think that's a matter of just using breaks effectively, having great facilitators who know when to like, hey, let's do an activity. Let's break away from this training. Give your minds a minute to like categorize and store this information for you to attach importance to it. And then let's come back. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit opensesame.com today to start your survey. 
back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. How important is eye candy for video? Or I guess even in person, like uh, screenshots of real life examples or bullet points, lists, you know, here are the top five things you need to know. How important is it to mix those elements into your courses? Man, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm kind of like two minds here. So I'll kind of kind of talk about both of them real quick, if you don't mind. For me, eye candy isn't necessarily for its own sake. Like cool visuals, cool graphics, whether that's in a presentation or in a video or in a computer-based training, like that's awesome. That's cool. That's a way for a designer to like flex and show their skill and to be like, I made this and it looks fantastic. And sometimes that's its own reward, but you have to balance it. I think too many times we we misconstrue eye candy with engagement. And if you're not careful, you can lead from like an engaged learner to a distracted learner. Hmm. And once a learner is distracted, they'll still keep learning. But you as the content developer, you as the facilitator, you're no longer in charge of what they're learning. They're seeing all these like flashing signs and symbols and all this fancy graphics and like, whether that's like a screenshot or a real life example. And maybe they learned, hey, actor B looks like really weird in that blue shirt. You didn't mean for them to learn it, but because you kind of stepped outside and started like grabbing all these graphics, you're losing control of what exactly the learner is taking away. So what are your rules with when to use eye candy and when not to use eye candy so you don't distract from the instructor, but you're also providing some proof points to the learner. Yeah. Um, So for me, it boils down to kind of a simple thing of everything should have a point and a purpose. Uh, I want to say like mindful design. Um, A lot of the designers who I've trained, who I've worked with, I'm sure hate this, but I'll I'll, every once in a while, I'll be like, hey, let's do a teardown on this deck you built. And they'll say, okay. And those who've known me for a while, I usually go, okay. Because I'm going to be like, hey, you use this font. Why did you use this font? Uh, I don't know. That's the official font we have to use. Okay, great. Let's take a step back. Why do you think that's the official font we have to use? And we'll go through that piece by piece by piece. Hey, you used a transition on this slider. Hey, you used a graphic on this video. Why did we use that color? Why does this have a border? And that seems pedantic. Uh, it, it can be. Um, but it's also about knowing like mindfulness. If you have something in there and you don't know why it's there, and you have something in there and you're like, because I wanted to put it in there, stop, cut it out and get rid of it. Everything in your material should have a point and a purpose. And it should all be to serving this greater purpose of building a good learner experience. Okay. So now you've got your course developed, mm-hmm. you've got it where you want it to be, and you've got to sell it. Walk us through the process of creating the right sales materials, the right pitches to get organizations to engage with these wonderful courses that you've created. Yeah, no, absolutely. So traditionally, I have worked for places where I've been an internal instructional designer. And so um, I'll talk about that. Like, how do you get like your bosses and your leadership to like agree to a course? And then we can talk about like selling. Is that all right? Yeah, that's great. And and okay. let's mention, you know, you've worked with Samsung and Assurian and you know, now you work with bigger brains. So yeah, um, you've got great experience with all of this. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will say that step one, and really this was something that it took me a long time to like figure out 
I beat my head against the wall. I had great leaders at those companies who I'd be like, I want to build this thing. And they'd be like, okay, why? And like, I'd struggle. I'd be like, uh, because, and as a guy who like tells everybody like mindful design, have your reasons, like it's kind of embarrassing, but I'd be like, ah, uh, like, uh, and I'd struggle to explain why. And um, as I got later in my career, as I transitioned to like, kind of like building like sales material and working with a team that built sales material, one of the big things I did was I went to my leadership staff. I went to like our directors and our VPs. And I was like, Hey, as you guys are thinking about strategy and planning, we would love to be there. We would love to be part of those conversations because if we're there at those conversations, I can build better training, faster, shorter. I mean, everybody likes that. So usually that was like, oh yeah, hey, come on down. And as you sit in those strategy meetings, those planning sessions, and you're hearing people say like, this is our goal. This is where we want to go. Like as an instructional designer, as an experienced designer, like I'd start thinking like, okay, cool. Like now I know what they want to build. I know what the end goal is and I can work backwards from there. And so when I'm working with other people and other orgs and I'm saying, hey, this was the goal and this is what we did to kind of get there. And here's how this training works. And here's where it starts. Nine times out of 10, like our, our stakeholders, our leaders go, oh yeah, oh, that's great. This is amazing. This is exactly what we wanted. And it starts because we were there at that strategy session. And it helps us as designers and learners because it's like, okay, I know that they only have this much amount of time. I know that this is the audience they're targeting. I know this is the, this is the why. Like it hasn't gone through several layers and gotten to us. Like I need a, a CBT that's 20 minutes that teaches these seven things. Like, well, nope. The original why was I need a course that helps our learners feel more comfortable offering on the telephone. Okay, well, I'm probably not going to build a traditional computer-based training, CBT, and I'm definitely not going to make it take 20 minutes. So like as somebody with like years of experience and working with other people with years of experience as instructional designers, it's, it's able, we're able to dive in and be like, all right, great. This is what we think you guys need. And this is why. Um, as I've had to, on several occasions, work with other people and tell them about like, hey, you know, looking at what you guys are trying to build, looking at what you guys want for this training. Again, it goes back to like goals and mindful design. Tell me, what do you need? Well, you know, we've got eight hours and we really need everybody to like know these 17 things. Like, okay, 17 things in eight hours is a lot. So let's talk about what's important. And it's so selling outside of like the corporate structure and like selling the material you're making, selling to others is about that first initial le levels of communication. Just being like, hey, what do you want? What do you think you want built here? How much time do you have? And usually a question I ask is, why haven't you built it? And usually I get, we tried and it, it didn't work. Like, okay, great. Let's talk about what didn't work. Let's talk about what got built previously. Let's dive in there because maybe they built something great and they deployed it wrong. Or maybe they built something terrible and they didn't have a way to deploy even that very well. And so like talking with them, talking about how they're going to deploy it, talking about what they really need, just doing your due diligence is I think probably the most important part of like cinching up that sell. If you're trying to sell your material to somebody, knowing exactly what that person needs is so helpful. Great advice. Uh, Daniel, what are some of the topics that are 
presently resonating with learners. I mean, we're going through such an interesting time. We just talked about how more learning is taking place virtually than ever before. Are you seeing certain topics kind of emerge as the ones that, that people really want to know about? I think probably the biggest one is like work from home, like setting up this home office and dealing with the change in workflow and stress and just life changes that come from working at home. We've been here now for some of us almost two years, but like uh, so many people have like transitioned to that remote space that how we deal with it, it, we're just starting to realize like, hey, this isn't good. Like, how do I, how do I deal with this stress? Where do I, where do I put this stress? And how do I like build a home space, a workspace in my home space that's effective? Thinking on the future, I think as more and more businesses, as COVID, hopefully, hopefully as we beat COVID and we get past it and businesses like want people to return to the office. I mean, they spend a lot of money on their office buildings. There's a sense of camaraderie that's really tough to replicate virtually. So getting people into the office is great. So once we get there, there's going to be a whole need for that training to help get us back into the office. Hey, you're back in the office. It's been two years. You know, here's some office things to think about. Here's some office etiquette that's probably changed uh, in two years. And here's how to think about that. That's great. I mean, I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about onboarding your employees again because it has mm -hmm. been two years. So it's almost like, hey, this is a whole new ball game here from what we had before. So let's onboard them as if they're new employees, give them all the rules, give them the training and, and go from there. Do you agree with that approach? I do. I, th I think you're going to have so many people. One, you're going to have people who will be excited to come back to the office and they're going to be, they're going to be great. They're going to come in and they're going to be excited and happy. But I do think you're also going to have people who are probably going to be less excited. You're going to have people who are like, uh, I really got comfortable at home. I really like working in my jogging pants. <laughs> why, why am I back here? And to have that, take that opportunity to build that training that tells them, like we talked about at the beginning, that what's in it for them, this is why you're in the office. It's more than just, we spent a bunch of money on an office building you know, before COVID broke out, but it's because we really do want you here. It, we really do want to work with you guys side by side. We want you guys in the trenches, so to speak, with us so we can build great things. And to help get those people who are still like, I wish I was at home, back into the office. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? by having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard, and having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked, here's Brian Berger. All right, before I let you go, tell our audience about your work with Bigger Brains. What are you doing there? I know you've talked about some of the work that you do typically today during this conversation, but what's Bigger Brains and, and how do people engage with it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, 
I actually found Bigger Brains. Uh, a friend of mine was just like, "Hey, have you have you checked out like this company and what they're doing?" And I was like, "Oh no, like this is really cool." And having spent a lot of time building sales material and knowing that as a business, the idea of building a computer-based training is very enticing. It's short. It's exact. It gives the same message every time. Every time somebody clicks yes, but also talking to like learners and them pretty much saying, I hate CBT training. I click through it to get through it as fast as I can. Anybody who's taken like human resources training a lot of times, I'm sure knows what I mean. Like lots of words, click, 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 except I'm done. Great. Hmm. And in order to like start building better engaging sales training, we started building videos. Like I had a team who had no video experience and I was like, guys, like, how do we do this? How do we build like video training. And they were like, let's figure it out. And I was like, man, awesome. Yeah, let's do it. And it just was kind of like a natural evolution as like, I started really getting involved in it as I started saying like, oh my God, these are all these amazing things I can do in a video training that takes me two minutes as opposed to seven minutes with a a computer-based training and gives me all the advantages and lets me engage on a much deeper emotional level with my learner. Like, this is awesome. Like, what else can we do that's video? And then I found out about Bigger Brains, this, this company that has been building like this video-focused uh, learner and teacher-style like training for years, and they had a role open up, and I wasn't exactly a perfect fit. I was like, uh, like that's sort of me, but not really. So I applied anyway. I was like, well, uh, I, I'm really interested in this. I really want to know more. And so I reached out said, here you go. And they responded pretty quick. And uh, I talked to Chip Reeves, who is the owner here. And he was like, why do you want to be here? (laughs) And I told him, I was like, I think what you guys are doing is amazing. I think your guys' focus on like this, this teacher and learner style is really, really engaging. And I I think you guys are just going to keep growing and explode. And I would love to be part of the company. And he was like, all right, let's do it. Let's get you down here. And I was like, yes. If anybody wants to know more about Bigger Brains, they can find us at getbiggerbrains.com. And we've got a whole library. Um, We work with several other marketplaces. So it's possible already your company, if you guys are buying training from different marketplaces, that you guys may have access to some of our training. So if you want to know more, talk to your HR rep or your learning and development resource and see where you guys are getting your training from. Last question. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the introduction that you're the co-host of the fabulous Learning Nerds podcast. (laughs) Yes. You guys have a great time on that podcast. I've listened. You can find it on iTunes. How'd you get involved in that? And, you know, tell our audience if they listen, what are they going to hear about primarily? Yeah, absolutely. So um, last year, like everybody else, uh, with uh, some extra time back from not having to drive all the time. I was like, I would love to do a podcast. And I was talking to another learning and development person at the company I was working at at the time. And we were both like, this would be so great. His name is Scott Schutte. He was like, I would love to do a podcast. I was like, me too, let's do it. And so we got together, we recorded a couple tests to kind of like get our feel, like what we want to do, what we want to sound like, and kind of got that balanced in. And eventually we picked up Abby Dawson as a third, and she is fantastic. And we started doing this super nerdy learning and development podcast. Um, if you're going to listen in, and I hope you do, 
Uh, we do have a lot of fun. We got a lot of drops, a lot of like musical engagement. We have a lot of excellent guests, amazing guests. And hopefully you're listening to like learn more about learning and development, learn more about instructional design, learn more just about a lot of like creative design stuff. A lot too long ago, we had somebody on to talk about imposter syndrome. Uh, recently, we had somebody talk about the importance of video connection, like on Zoom or in the office as we stay remote. So yeah, we have a blast and we have a lot of great guests. Yeah, you guys definitely have a blast. It's true. And you do have good guests and, and you know, the, the podcast is high energy. So I like it. And I think you guys put a unique twist on, on learning and development. So Daniel Coonrod, who, like we said, is with Bigger Brains. You can also listen to his podcast, The Fabulous Learning Nerds Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us right here on the Learning Unlock Podcast today. Brian, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.